Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode, the very first of the Hacking Open Source Business Podcast. Yes, we're here to launch this new thing. Avi and I were talking, and you might have heard us on my podcast previously, or you might have heard Avi on other podcasts. And we were getting together chatting about the open source business space and how really there's a lot of people who don't understand how to build and grow their open source businesses. They understand how to maybe start a project, but actually turning it into a viable business is something that is missing. And so Avi and I decided, let's get together and chat about this. Absolutely. I'm very excited to do so. As someone who has tried and failed to do this before, I know a lot about what doesn't work. And I'm excited to dig into that together and with a bunch of other people who are actively doing it themselves and can share their war stories, their lessons learned, things that they're thinking about, etc. So it should be good fun. Yeah. And for those who don't know Avi or myself, Avi runs uh, the company Scarf. And he actually built Scarf because he saw this issue in the business space previously where he couldn't figure out who was actually using and doing things with his open source software. That is exactly right. It is a tough position to be in because you, you know, you may see the traction, you may see evidence that there is, you know, a viable business in front of you, but that's not really enough to really go and execute successfully and build a sustainable business. There's a big gap between a project that has some um, commercial traction versus a project that has a sustainable business model around it. That gap is really, really big. And there's a lot of people out there that are working to make this gap smaller. And so that's who we want to talk to and learn from and dig into their the mistakes that they've made, the things that they've tried that are working, and you know all the lessons that we can really learn together. I think in the same way that on the open source space, we collaborate on technologies and coding methodologies and all these sorts of really all the different facets of open source. It's time that we do that for the business side of things as well and start to learn from each other, um, you know, get together, develop standards, these kinds of things, and, and hopefully build an open source ecosystem where people are, you know, paid fairly for their work. Um, people are able to build sustainable projects and do more of what they love to do. Yeah. No, and I think that's this is a pain point that I've seen over my career as well. You see companies who, you know, try to take an open source project and turn it into something that is a business model, which isn't right because open source is not a business model on its own. You actually have to have a business model behind your open source software and your business if you want to monetize it. And not everyone does, and that's okay. But I think that just slapping the open source label on it and calling it good doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually going to have commercial success in the end. So we need to be mindful of that for sure. Now, I didn't get to introduce myself, so I'm Matt Yakovitz. I actually am the head of community at Stream Native, who is an Apache Pulsar co company. Also do some advising uh, for various other open source companies, including helping Avi out once in a while. So we are here to chat a little bit about the open source space. So why don't we jump into it? Because I think the big thing that is the news of the week is Akka. Right. And that, you know, is something that just happened. And for those who don't know, Akka is, um, you know, a an open source toolkit that has been around for quite some time. It's actually in a lot of different projects, including things like Apache Fink and a few other open source projects. 
And Lightbend, who does build and you know distribute Akka, has decided to drop the open source license, which is an interesting thing. And they're moving towards the BSL, so the business service license, business service software, service? software license. Uh, yeah, I should actually know uh, yeah, what that's. Yeah, business software license, I think, is is what the official. As we go to the Googles to find out, uh, <laughs> yeah, who should know that abbreviation? Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. That's okay. Yeah, it's the business source license. Business source originally license. Okay. Developed by MariaDB, and for those who don't mm, know what the yeah. business source license is, it is a non-open source license, so it's not officially OSI certified. It is designed as a license to allow the creators and the maintainers to contain, uh, maintain control and sole kind of like the, the sole ability to monetize the software for a certain time period. So it, it could also be called the eventual open source model, right? So you put out some software. Uh, it is source available, so you can get it. You can use it for non-commercial activities but you are restricted from monetizing it until a period of three years in many cases. Sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more, at which case that particular version moves over to an unrestricted open source license. So for two to three years, it is not open source anymore, and then it becomes open source. So, Avi, you know, what's your take on like the licenses, like the BSL and like this particular move? I have a lot of thoughts. I mean, I, I, I do like the notion of licenses that can, you know, maybe per, have some kind of protections for the company that is say putting in the vast majority of their efforts into a given piece of software. Um, what's really tough about this particular case for this kind of move um, is that Akka is already everywhere. And so what a change like this does, it puts a lot of people in a really tough position because they could find themselves with a very sudden multi-million dollar liability um, for a dependency that they didn't even know they had, which the, it makes the calculus for a lot of companies to turn into, well, you know, we could either either start paying Lightbend, you know, that I think the way that they modeled it was it was like a per core um a per yeah per, per core of machine that you are running Aka on is how the the pricing model is, which a I think is already kind of very challenging to price given the cloud um, you know given given the cloud it's very you know this is supposed to abstract away these kinds of things very counterintuitively, but when you start talking about million you know multi million dollar liabilities for the Fortune 500 100 companies, um, you start to get into a territory where just maintaining your own fork becomes you know potentially cost effective to do um, and so I think you know I, I'm, I'm in a position where I, I am feeling like this is a, you know a, a rightfully controversial move I think a lot of people are really push really pushing back against this move and I think it's very understandable but I think it really highlights kind of the whole crux of why we are here to talk about this which is that even for extremely successful projects like Akka has been, it's very challenging to build a sustainable business around it. Um, and, you know, you see, you see companies like Lightbend try to 
make tweaks and changes and ultimately kind of reach for the BSL. I, uh, what I see when I, when I read those articles is, wow, it's still really hard to build a sustainable business around even the most popular and critical of open source infrastructure. Yeah. And that's separate from my opinions on, you know, uh, the, the BSL in particular. It is not an open source license, just period. It just isn't. Um, but eventual open source is better than just full proprietary. So I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, of course, yeah. to, toward this, but I, I, I do think that you are right when you say, you know, not only is this not an open source, but it really highlights how difficult it is because just because you have a popular project does not mean that it is a commercially viable one. And I'm not saying that Akka does not have a commercially viable product. I don't know what Lightbend's revenue is. I don't even know if it's disclosed anywhere. I'm guessing not, because I do not think that they're publishing that anywhere. I, I don't know if this is like they're not getting anything or they're just getting a little bit or they're getting like not enough and they need more. You know, certainly we've seen this type of move from the MongoDBs, the Couchbases, MariaDBs. There's a lot of companies that have delved into this uh, often as a hedge against the cloud. So there is that kind of like movement. I think the biggest issue that I typically have for this is this is something that is generally wrapped in some language that it's we're open or this is an open license or this. Is, so they try to still say that they're somewhat open, but they're not always open. And uh, that is a challenge in and of itself. But it's funny because the implications of moving something into the open source space and taking it away are far reaching. And you mentioned it specifically, like there are lots of projects that rely on this. There's lots of proprietary code that relies on this. And that just because there is doesn't necessarily mean that people are willing to pay for it. The question is, is the pain of developing code that does something similar or forking the library or maintaining it, is it such that they wouldn't just do that overpay you? So there is a you know check and balance that has to happen. And I don't know if if it is for a lot of these companies, but I know that there are a lot of open source companies that it's or not even companies, open source projects where it's questionable. So when you look at some of the Apache projects that rely on Akka, there's no monetary body behind it. And so how does that impact a project that is open source that's trying to distribute that as a library? And there was actually a, a discussion today on the Apache mailing list about this, where Lightbend's, I, I believe it was the CEO, I have to go back and look, was talking specifically about, you know, well, maybe we can grant an exception to the Apache community. And so you start to then talk about, well, what about the exception to this other community or this exception? To, it becomes an unsustainable mess. But on the flip side, they the way that they've designed this is so it's designed to target the big, you know, the big companies that are that are, you know, very effectively monetizing and using Akka to, you know, to better I don't know, do distributed processing or computing or whatever it might be. Um, and so the intent there, I think, is very good in the sense that let's keep this free for everyone. Let's basically not impact anyone that's not making whatever the threshold they said, like 10 million revenue or whatever that, that, whatever that threshold they set. And so. I'm not like, I'm not inherently against this notion of having exceptions. Like it, it, 
there's plenty of financial systems that are working today that are built this way, like, you know, taxes in most countries, <laughs> you know, very, very complicated sets of, of exceptions and workarounds. And, you know, that builds a, a working system over time as you slowly tweak and tune it. Um, but isn't will this, that work? But isn't this just a bait and switch, really? Like, so mm. let, let's, let's be honest. If you're going to develop something like Aka today, and you're going to release it as a, a under this license or under a non open source license, will the adoption be the same? The answer is no. no. Yeah, no, it's certainly not. not. Yeah. So, is this a trend that we could be seeing where, you know, the 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 growth model is a get five million users of your product, b change the license. Yeah, that would be a very dangerous precedent for us to be setting just in general, um, which makes me think that if if we had a set of open source licenses that maybe were more amenable to having these kinds of, um, you know, making these kinds of business models more explicit on the onset, we would have less of this kind of bait and switching. Um, because I thought about this topic a lot. And the thing that is, I still can't really get my head around is, well, you know, if you are Lightbend, um, what do you do? Like I get that I, I think I'm I'm inclined to agree this move to the BSL is ultimately probably going to um, do more damage to Lightband's business than it is going to do good. But what are the other options that they really have? Like they already have these very lucrative partnerships with IBM. Um, they've taken you know they've taken VC money, so there's already kind of a little bit of the. Um, the clock is ticking against them basically to figure out their business model as soon as possible. And I think a lot of people will say, well, shouldn't have taken VC money. Like that was the, the death knell of, of the company very early on. That, 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 well, but that, that's the death knell then of like hundreds or thousands of companies that are out there right now. So I don't, I don't buy that. I, I, yeah, exactly. I don't buy that either. Yeah. Of course, not, not at all. Not at all. I looked it up and a zoom info um, estimates Lightband's revenue to be $28 million. Um, you know, I don't know how accurate that is. That's just what zoom, zoom info says. Um, but yeah, you know, like this is, this is a company that is very much generating revenue, but what we're seeing is it's, it's not enough. Um, which is, you know, I, I'm kind of in a position of, of thinking, well, what is the alternative? And well, it, it's funny. I saw this. I think I was listening to the like, like Sirius XM, the satellite radio the other day. And some commercial came on for uh, like it was one of those commercials that I, I never listen to anymore because generally you don't you get the commercial free stuff. Who listens to the actual radio? But um, I was on one of those stations. I think it was one of the sports stations. So in between, they they play whatever they're trying to pitch. And it was profitability is the new growth metric. Use our software to track your profitability. And it's like, so are you saying that for the last few years that profitability hasn't been your growth metric? And the answer is it hasn't. It's been growth at all costs. And I think as the market has changed recently, the pressure to show not only growth from a overall user perspective, but able to do cost control and containment has started to move up the list of things you need to worry about. Very, very true. Um, I think, you know, as we, 
as we shift into a different kind of venture market where investors are just not as impressed by growth without the revenue being there, you're going to see a lot of people just try to tighten the grip on the user base and try to squeeze as much money out of it as they can. Um, which I think is going to put a lot more projects like this in a tough spot. And I think that the open source space has seen a lot of funding in the last two years. Um, I think, you know, the, the general boom in venture investment into tech um, has really also very much been seen in the commercial open source space as well. Um, and so I think if we're starting to have this conversation uh, now about companies like Lightbend, which I think, I'm not sure when they raised, it was a couple of years ago now, at least we're going to start to see more and more discussions like this um, over time. And I think that this is a potentially an interesting, you know, next couple of years because of that, right? Because, you know, those investments either have to pay off or something has to happen with them. So it could be a consolidation via acquisition. It could be, you know, consolidation via, you know, attrition. It could be, you know, consolidation or uh, changing of models. And I think that's where the worry that I have is just like all trends, people get behind a trend, but trends fade. And I think that some people treat open source as a trend. It's the trending way to build a software company. I'm worried about how that's going to impact the future, because if everybody's thinking that, you know, oh, well, we're just going to jump on the trend, but they're not going to necessarily follow through on what the 10 amounts and the, the guide rails are for open source. Is this going to go the way of Furbies? Is this going to go the way of like, you know, Barney the Dinosaur, uh, like the, the Teletubbies, like all of these these crazy, you know, fads in the past where they have lived for a short amount of time or even a long amount of time in some cases, but they fade into lore. And I do worry about that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very possible feature that, that we might be facing here. And I think that we are going to come to a point where we have to, I think, as a community, make a little bit of a decision here about, you know, are we going to find more ways to help maintainers and projects build their businesses? Or are we going to kind of continue to, um, yeah, ha have an open source, so open source ethos that, that, um, is not really, that, that, that remains at odds with that. Um, I think that there's, a case to be made that we need to be a bit more inclusive into models that do have some kind of protections for these kinds of businesses, but maybe ones that have, I don't know, specific kinds of ways that, that are most compatible with what we're doing. I guess what I'm trying to say is we may, we may find ourselves needing to make pragmatic trade-offs. But why? Let me, <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let yeah. me throw this out there. Okay. Like, because I mean, this is an interesting topic. Yeah. So trading off. Okay. So so with open source and kind of the, the, the values and the core around open source, one of the, the key foundational pieces is it's non-discriminatory, right. right? So you can't say you can't use this in this context. And that is how open source was built. Now, if BSL source is built differently, then everyone can jump on the BSL source bandwagon. Why do you need to change open source to encompass that? Isn't that just changing the term open source because people want to use it, use the name as opposed to kind of the philosophy and the guide rails and the rules? Like, why can't there be like eventual open source or eventual source or, you know, there, there can be a, you know, a, a, a cost 
library or a cost initiative where it's just these are commercial open source licenses or commercial, you know, um, sort of open source licenses, whatever it is, that defines a new definition. And I've, I talked with Bruce Perrins on a podcast not too long ago, and his thing was, you can use whatever license you want. Just don't call it open source because we named open source this thing. And now you're trying to change this thing that we named open source to something else. Call it, you know, Joe's license. <laughs> so I get that we need to potentially rethink some of the models, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to throw out everything that open source was built around. It just makes me wonder, are you choosing open source because you want the trend or are you choosing open source because you believe in that's the best way to build the project and help the community? Yeah. And I think we, we probably have a lot of both um, in the space practically. I, I think I don't personally doubt that the people at Lightbend really do. I mean, these are open source people. Like they've been building open source for a long time. And I, I don't think that they're, I suspect that their movement away from an open source license was probably a very painful decision for them to make, but one where, you know, they're, they're looking at their balance sheet and saying, well, we got to do something. Um, and so I think the question becomes is, do you want to build an open source ecosystem that is a little bit more flexible, or do you want to build an open source ecosystem that stays very rigid for the sake of of those ideals? And and I think maybe the point that I'm trying to make is we could potentially uh, find benefit in a more nuanced way of looking at these things. So that I think, for instance, if something was 100% open source versus 99% open source. Like, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, I, I was, I was in a discussion on Twitter with someone recently about like the label of organic food. Um, and this is a very, a very easy analogy to make in some ways. Like there is a label that, you know, something is organic or it's not organic. And that's what a lot of people think. That's actually not true. There's actually multiple levels of being organic. I think there were four levels of if something is, you know, fully certified organic or has organic ingredients. And there's like a whole hierarchy there. And that's not to say that you just have an all or nothing thing. It can be a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more on spectrum than that, um, which I think to the more classical open source de definitions is very, very um, at odds with how things have been historically. ideas, I think, maybe. But, I, I um, think so. Like if some of these companies said we are, you know, made from open source components, but BSL licensed, I think nobody would, I don't think there would be any controversy about that, right? I think that most people would be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, yeah, they're they're relying on open source stuff and most of it is, probably going to be open source but there are components that aren't um right ironically that's generally called open core but we won't go there who wants to open that can of worms uh even if they are organic worms uh, but uh yeah 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 so, the, the, the open source just has a very good i guess yeah there, there's some degree where like the brand the brand name of open source is very effective i, I you know to your point of like would would aka's adoption been the same had they kind of started with this model? And the answer is like an almost certainly not. Right. Um, and so the question is, well, why is that? For like a thought experiment, if you had, say you had went to a kind of BSL model where it only impacted, you know, like 
one person or one company and no one else. Like it's, it is exactly the same for 99.99999% of people. Is it useful to have such a line in the sand where now we're going to basically just completely for all practical purposes, shun the project over this. But what's funny is it's, I see it slightly different. Okay. And Good. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so welcome to Avi and Matt argue, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> countering points of view. It's interesting because when you look at what is out there, it's like, Look, you just need to leave it in the open space. Do whatever the heck else you want to do. And it reminds me of, have you seen the HBO show, The Anarchists? I haven't, shoot. Okay. There's this scene, like, so the anarchists go to this convention, okay? And it's an anarchy convention, right? So it's all anti-government. We're going to do whatever we want. We're going to set our own rules. We're And... They had this wonderful first conference. The second conference, they get there and people are complaining. Well, they're not following the rules. <laughs> and it's like, but you're anarchists. You don't follow the, like, you know, it's like in the definition, you don't follow the rules. Um, and so I think that there are always some expectations of some basic tenants, whether it's a term, a, a movement, a license, or a, a, a brand, if you will, and I think in this case, the idea behind it was, hey, look, from an open source perspective, we want open source to be available to all. And if you want to call it open source, it needs to be non-discriminatory. And it just gets back to that, right? You can't say Avi can use it, but Matt can't. And I think that's where all of the argument comes into play. Now, I'm not saying that Akka or Maria or Couchbase or Mongo shouldn't develop software and shouldn't protect, you know, from what they perceive as their competition. It's just, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. So I want to get the adoption and all the benefits of open source, but none of the liabilities. That's a great point. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I think that if you are out there and you are building an open source company, number one, it's hard. Let's be honest. You know, 99% of the companies out there that have that started around open source, they're not making money, right? They're not. Um, it's a really tough road. And there's a lot of one or two person shops who focus on support or focus on these other things. And they're struggling. Like maintainers are not getting paid enough to maintain their code bases. And a lot of these code bases, it's the Nebraska problem, right? Where there's one guy in Nebraska who is maintaining the code for the entire internet. And if he gets hit by a bus, oh my God, the internet is going to freak out and no one knows it. There's a lot of that going on. So there has to be better ways to help people not only, you know, build, you know, uh, commercially viable products, but also businesses where they can afford to live, but also afford to maintain this critical code that's out there. And I know there's a lot of companies or foundations or things looking into this as well. Um, I've had some conversations over the last few weeks with uh, the folks over at Open UK and Open SSF about things that they're doing around the security space. So I know that there's work happening uh, to try and 
you know, fix some of this. And a lot of people say it's just a matter of getting the right amount of money into the ecosystem. Some people say it's, you know, working out those business models. Um, but I think we need to learn from one another. Right. And I mean, that's part of the reason why we're going to be doing this podcast going forward is to talk to people and ask them from a business perspective, what worked, what was those, what were those scary points for you starting your business? Like what, what decisions did you have to make early on and what's driving your decisions now when you talk about whether it's the current licensing, the future licensing, and what does this look like? Yeah, I'm very excited to dig into this with people. I think we're going to hear, I mean, the, the, the more the more I connect with people in the open source space, the, the less of a handle I have on unifying factors of everyone. It really attracts a very wide, um, a wide group of people solving a really wide variety of problems. Um, but I think this, this discussion that we've been having about Akka, I think, is very um, apt for the topic because I think it's really just highlighting that this is a hard problem. It's affecting pretty much the entire the entire space up and down, you know, the, the technology stack, the, the company size stack. Yeah. I'm just very excited to dig in with people and, and learn more about what's been working and uh, what we can all do to make this better for people all over. Do you know what we're doing, Avi? We're open sourcing the knowledge. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Very good. That's what we're doing. We're trying we're to figure soon. out how people are being <laughs> successful and bring it to the masses. We want to do that. And so if you're listening and you want to be a guest, you want to sit down, talk to us, you want to argue, I'll argue with you about open source stuff. Avi will argue with you. If you want to team up on me, you can. If you want to team up with me, uh, we can do that too. I'm happy to <laughs> the arguing you. will continue for sure. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That's what we're here to do. We're here to talk things through, discuss, you know, what works, what doesn't. It's a, it's an interesting space that we're in, and we all love open source. We want to see people succeed in it. We want to give people the tools and the knowledge to be successful. That seems like as great of a place to leave off as I can think of. Um, yes. So yeah, this has been a, this has been a great discussion, and I'm really excited to continue digging in with all the guests that we have lined up. Indeed, indeed. Um, well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Um, we hope you'll tune into the next episode. Drop us some comments. What topics do you want us to cover? Is there a specific area? Whether it's metrics that we should be tracking, whether it is you know how to get funding, whether it's how to look at what's the right contract or, or, or license for you to use, what sort of you know support systems, like anything around running an open source business, we wanna cover those topics and we would love to hear from you. So go ahead, like, subscribe, follow us, listen to us. We promise we'll, we'll make this exciting every week or as exciting as we can um, and we'll go from there. All right, cool. Good chat, Matt. All right, great chat, Navi. And until next time, we'll see you later.